0: The security clearance process is coming back to the Defense Department. Stop us if you heard this before. And the Pentagon made some big moves this week to actually make that happen. The Defense Security Service is no more, and a new entity is taking its place. DOD also has a handful of goals it wants to meet in that regard. Federal News Network Scott Massioni and Nicola Grisco join me now in studio to explain. All right. So this is going longer than the guiding light. And to mix the metaphors, how are the deck chairs actually being arranged now? Nicole?
1: Yes. So we've we've known about this for a long period of time that the plan all along was to rename the Defense Security Service as the Defense Counterintelligence and Security Agency and that the National Background Investigations Bureau would merge with it to become one entity. And what we heard today is that Charlie Phelan, who is the director of NBIB, will be leading the DCSA, so add another acronym to your list, on an acting basis. And it'll start July 1st, and he'll carry out both of these duties concurrently until the two agencies merge.
0: They're really not cutting off one and starting up another. It sounds like more of a fade and what do they call that? A dissolve from one agency into the other now that we're bringing in cinematography in here.
2: Yeah. And and that's actually going to be starting on the 1st of October, which will be the beginning of the 2020 fiscal year. And what they're hoping to do is sort of take all the people out of INBIB, the, the National Background Investigations Bureau, and uh, put them into this new DOD entity. And that's actually going to be happening uh, on the 29th of September. They're going to be using the uh, Transfer of Function Authority. And so that's when the INBIB people can expect to become officially DOD civilians and uh, maybe start reporting to the Pentagon. We don't really know those details yet, but um, that's, that's sort of how that phase is going to be working.
0: And Congress can't change it at this point. This is really going to happen?
2: Yeah, well, they've already changed it through multiple NDAAs and executive orders. Uh, so this, I think, began in, in the 2016 NDAA in which they were worried about the security clearance process in the sense that there were more than 700,000 people on a backlog. And if you think about it, the there's 4.2 million people that work for the federal government that have security clearances or need them. So putting that all into one uh you know having nearly one quarter of that gone or not being able to get them in in a, a good time is is rough you know you can't hire people the way that you want to hire them
0: sure you hear that all the time and the people hired sometimes can't do meaningful work in a company until that clearance comes through so everybody has an interest in having this work efficiently and what does dod think it can accomplish once it owns all this i mean it wasn't exactly dod's idea so far as we know, or do they lobby for it and get Congress to say, yeah, we'll bring it back. But regardless, it's there now. What can they accomplish?
2: Well, we heard from a senior defense official yesterday who said that they're hoping to get down to 300,000 in the backlog by the end of 2020, fiscal 2020. uh, They can probably get ahead of that the way that they've been moving. Like I said, they were at once at 700,000. Right now, they're about 410,000. And a lot of those are top top secret security clearances, which take a little bit longer. There's also security clearances, too, that that are are smaller.
1: Yeah. And the whole goal here is to bring them to a steady state, which is around 250,000. That's essentially the amount that now DOD, believes that it can have in its workload and accomplish everything efficiently and effectively. What's interesting is Scott mentioned how many uh, in the backlog are top secret versus secret. And the other thing to add about this is the periodic reinvestigation, which is essentially going away. And it's going away because DOD, and this has been a push all along, wants to move to a process called continuous vetting. And that's happening right now. But it'll become more prevalent, especially as DOD takes this over.
0: We're speaking with federal news networks Nicola Grisco and Scott Massioni. And if they can live with a steady state backlog of 250,000, I don't know what the equation is to figure this out, but does that mean the time to get a security clearance done will be shorter? Do they expect to bring that in so people aren't waiting a year or so?
1: That's the goal all along, and there are actually congressional timelines that – NBIB isn't currently meeting at this point to accomplish a lot of the security clearance work. I talked to Director Phelan a couple weeks back, and he said that the timeliness issue is still something that they're working on, but he believes they can get there based on, one, a combination of continuous vetting and then, two, a bunch of business process improvements that NBIB has been piloting. And I think with his leadership at this new agency, we'll continue.
0: And do they mention anything about performance metrics? I mean, you can get you can clear a backlog next week, just stamp everything yes or no. But that's not really what I think they want to do. So are there quality metrics along with the numbers metrics?
1: So there are and actually they should be updated in theory every quarter on performance.gov. They haven't been updated in a, in a little while, but yes, there are performance metrics. There are several Congressional reporting guidelines that DOD is supposed to be meeting. I'm not sure they have recently. The other issue, and I think Scott can touch on this a little bit more, too, is what happens when a security clearance is when when someone has been investigated, it needs to be adjudicated. And, Thomas, as I think we've talked about before, that has been an issue as the NBIB makes significant progress on their front It sits often at the Defense Consolidated Adjudications Facility, and that's something that DOD is going to have to get their arms around as they take this on, too.
0: Yeah, so as people are denied or they have some appeal, that process has its own backlog, as it does at so many agencies. It's the appeals process.
2: Scott? And that's one of the things that the senior defense official talked about, is that there is – uh 95% of the background investigations and all of the processes within that are now going to be under the defense department. So, while they did work quote unquote seamless, seamlessly before with inbib and and the other agencies, they now are all under one roof and can really just kind of hand a piece of paper to the guy next to you and you know to go talk to, you know, Sally in accounting or whatever you need to do to to get this this done rather than have to, you know, walk across town and, and do whatever before.
0: And by the way, when they have a senior official as the noted individual or the referenced individual in these press conferences, is it actually a senior official or is it just a flack saying what the senior official wants him to
2: say? It's it's actually a senior official. Okay.
0: <laughs> i just wonder I hear this more and more in recent years. It's a terrible convention. Anyhow, so how do you think DOD ended up here in the first place? Because didn't they once have the process in-house for themselves and then it went away and now it's back? I mean how does this all work in the long term?
1: Well, I think that will be the question that we'll all be watching, frankly, because, Tom, as you mentioned, DOD did have this process. Uh, They had challenges with it, frankly, and it moved to the Office of Personnel Management where OPM dealt with it pretty well for a few years until it had its own series of challenges. Exactly. With a contractor that it used and had to essentially get rid of very quickly and didn't have the capacity to build up on its own from there. Now that it is built up, DOD, I think, is under a little bit of pressure to keep up this progress and and keep it moving. I think having the person who led the progress at OPM and NBIB now at this new agency, actually at both agencies at the same time, might help that along a little bit.
0: And he won't resort to stuffing as the uh, contractor did, which gave rise to my question about performance metrics. All right. So what's next? What's the very next?
2: Well, what's next is they've already put in some, some of the business modernization processes that Nicole talked about. Those processes they're accounting for, for bringing down that backlog already. Now it's consolidating IT, and they're saying they're okay with some redundancies at this point for a couple of years, but they're expecting to weed that out with more modernization.
0: Everything is good until you get to the IT, though, isn't it? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. All right, Federal News Network's Nicole Grisco and Scott Massioni, thank you both very much.
2: Thank you.
1: Thanks, Tom.
0: Be sure to check out their story at federalnewsnetwork.com, including Nicole's interview with Charlie Phelan, the boss of all of this.
2: This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second, confirm you've entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, Think twice before sending money through an app or online.
1: Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.